It's Wednesday, October 14th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker and Bill Mann. It's a double bill. It's the Bills. It's the Bills. Welcome, gentlemen. Happy Wednesday. Thank you. There's Wednesday's no... happy? Sure. Well, I was just going to say, there's an, there's an extra bounce in, certainly, Barker's step, because the Cubs won. And me too. I'm 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 pulling for the. I have no I have no, I have no dog in the in the fight. Neither do I in the baseball. But we're just. But everybody, everybody is just a little bit happier today. Everybody outside of St. Louis, not the St. Louis Cardinals fans, but everybody else. Yes. Yeah. Everybody. Everybody kind of feels bad for the Cubs. Well, you know what? We're going to get into the business of, of the baseball playoffs. Yes, even the White Sox fans, at least according to some White Sox fans I've seen on Twitter. Um. We will dig into Intel's latest quarter, but let's start with TripAdvisor, which is the number one gainer in the S&P 500 today on the news that, uh, well, on the deal that it has with Priceline. Priceline announced that its Booking.com customers will now be able to directly book hotel rooms through TripAdvisor.com. Uh, worth pointing out, Bill Mann, they, neither company is disclosing how the revenue is going to be shared, but let's be clear. It's going to be good. There will be revenue. Yeah. yeah. TripAdvisor also announced that they'll be uh, signing up Marriott to do the same thing. So, that's a lot of that's a lot of hotels that they can now, because TripAdvisor is really, has become the default for where people go for researching, and now that they can do it directly, book straight off of TripAdvisor, it's a lovely thing for TripAdvisor. It will certainly be helpful, and it will certainly help them build more moats uh, in terms of the types of uh, clients that they're going to bring in and keeping people from leaving, which, as most people who run internet sites will tell you, is a good thing. Is it 22% good? Because that's the way the market yeah. is treating it right now, that this is going to be, I mean, 22%. Yeah, it's free money. I mean, in some ways. I mean, what, what additional costs do they have involved to provide other people's hotel rooms? This, a lot of this, and again, I'm, there's conjecture because we don't know the terms of the deal, but these revenues should drop pretty much straight to the bottom line. Is it 22% good? It sort of begs the question where the stock has been before today, right? And it's been a weak year for TripAdvisor. It was down uh, 15% um, year to date, and it was down 9% last year. So it's making up some ground. The business has continued to expand over that. Two-year period where the stock has has gone nowhere in comparison to the competitors, Expedia and Priceline, which continued to reward investors over the last two years. So it's playing a little bit of catch-up on the stock side, just as it's playing a little bit of catch-up on, you know, the the deal side. After uh, you know Expedia picking up Orbitz and and everything that Priceline has done, I think it's it's you know just sort of back. In the headlines, and and it is good news uh, for revenue. As as was pointed out, it's got better content than the competition, and if it can be equal in terms of giving you the same price in one click as as the other places, then it gets to be a bit more seamless than than it used to be. Yeah, it definitely seems to have that wonderful network effect that we saw. Gosh, I mean. Nearly 20 years ago, with eBay, when eBay first and foremost was the online auction site, and I then, think the TripAdvisor trip people are ecstatic to, that you make that comparison. Well, I mean, <laughs> yes, but again, in the early days, Absolutely. eBay's the online auction Absolutely. site, and then 
Amazon and Yahoo, just to name two, yeah. said, "Oh, online auctions, we can get into that." And 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 at the time, Yahoo was certainly bigger than eBay. Yeah, and it didn't work out for them because uh, eBay had that first mover advantage yeah. where. If you're a seller, you want to go where the most buyers are. If you're a buyer, you want to go where the most sellers are. And in the case of TripAdvisor and travel, that's where the most reviews are. That's exactly right. Worldwide. Let's move on to sadder news. Uh, I don't want to say sadder news. Certainly weaker news, and that's Intel. Um, Third quarter quarter profits down more than 6%. And it almost seems like Intel is in a race with itself, because the demand for PCs is is continuing to weaken, and I don't think there's anybody anybody at Intel who is trying to. They're not can, trying to bring that back. They're not trying to bring that back, no. and they're not trying to argue otherwise. But it is still when you look at the computer chip division, that's still a big division, yeah. um, and they're they're trying to get to the cloud as fast as they can, and at the moment. It's not going quite fast enough. Yeah, their R and D budgeted. If you think about Intel, Intel really is as as much of a macroeconomic stock as any that you will come across in the U.S. From an R and D basis, research and development. I mean, not use code on the on the podcast. They have um, they have so much more resources than any of their competitors that that that. That other chip companies are not even really trying to compete with Intel in terms of being out on the bleeding edge. Intel is the first and foremost. They have a two-year lead over any other competitor, and they probably always will, just simply because of the the the, the amount of uh, of resources that that they can bring to bear. So, if you look at what Intel has done over the quarter, I mean, it just literally just tells you that this was a this was kind of a sad quarter from an economic basis and nothing more. Intel is not in any danger of losing its competitive position, you know. And as you say, the number of PCs that have been sold have, has dropped, and that's a big part of their business. Yeah, their c- computer chip, and just in terms of revenue, computer chip division bringing in eight and a half billion, but that's down seven percent. Uh, the data data center business uh, on the rise up twelve percent, um, but just in terms of overall revenue, that's half of what they're bringing in for computer chips. Yeah, yeah. Well, the data center business is the faster growing part and was expected to grow fifteen percent, so it's growing twelve percent. Is that good? It's not good in comparison to what was expected. So the stock is not really moving yeah. up today. It's moving a little bit down, uh, or had been. It's it's more or less flat at the moment as I see it. And you know, if they can do twelve percent growth, that's still good in their fastest growing part. But there are other competitors out there that are a little bit more nimble. This is Intel's competing in a lot of different spaces. It does have the size to achieve things other people can't, but it has the size to not be able to move as quickly yeah. as as smaller competitors can. Uh, is that a fair fight over time? You know, the, the stock really hasn't been. Anything you would have been sad to miss at almost any time, <laughs> you know, in the past fifteen years, it doesn't have a one in front of it. Yeah, it sure. You know, over the last five years, it's even with the market. Before that, you know, if you go back fifteen said. years, it, it, it's done nothing over the last fifteen years. That's not entirely the business's fault. There was a lot of enthusiasm priced into every single tech stock. If you go back fifteen years ago to two thousand, that was. A dangerous time to to be in any tech stock, as it turned out, 
and it's it's big it's it's doing you know a good job for its clients but it's just not nimble enough to give you this explosive kind of growth that many of its competitors do Intel is a huge company, but with smaller companies, what Bill's describing is something that I love, where you have a large, slow-growth segment, or even a no-growth segment, that shields the power of a smaller, very quickly growing segment. And in this case, the server space is going to be bigger for Intel, and they can bring resources to bear. But if you just look at the bottom line, it doesn't really show up because it's a smaller division. But each quarter, it's going to be a bigger and bigger part. And so I think that you will see some momentum there over time, but it will take time. And again, as Bill said, Intel is a huge company. Back in June, Intel shelled out close to $17 billion to buy Altera. I know they can afford it yeah. because they've got that kind of money. Is it too soon to tell how successful that acquisition is? I'm assuming that, given the size of Intel, and and for that matter, given the size of Altera, I mean, it's still a big business on it in its own right. I'm assuming it's going to take about a year or so since the point of acquisition. But you know, at least at least early on, it seems like it's helping with the cloud business. Yeah, way too soon, but also keep in mind that in, that that for a company the size of Intel, the purchase of Altera or any purchase could just as easily be a strategic decision that we don't want this in anyone else's hands. Right? So it may it it may have been at least part of it was we're going to take this so nobody else can have it. Just a meta comment. Uh, you frequently ask me Probably others on the show. Is it too soon to determine something? And usually, are you critiquing the host? I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to a point eventually. And <laughs> it's not. It's an observation. I'm skeptical. Right are now, it's an observation, <laughs> but me, it'll it'll <laughs> devolve into criticism shortly. Let me let me get comfortable. <laughs> and that's just awful. There. Uh, no. Do you do that in the rest of your life, or is it just really a podcast thing where you're at, looking for instant gratification? On do you your, like these pancakes, your, or is it too soon? Too soon. I'm trying to think if I do that in other parts of my life. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah probably. Can we can we get the wife and kids on? And, and <laughs> like <laughs> Here's the thing. Do <laughs> some do some impressions of dad. We we could get the wife. Is it too soon to send you to bed? Is it <laughs> We could get the wife and kids on to critique me, but in general That's a long show. I was just going to say in general an average episode of Market Foolery is around 15 20 minutes They're and just we, getting wound up at that point. We, yeah, we would need well, to warn they could affiliates. They just do their best of. <laughs> Believe me in my case you couldn't do a best of in 15 minutes. I was going to say maybe you know there's you know there's four people we're talking about so it could just be a week's worth. Just you know one day it'll be my son and the my, next day my, my wife. And, yeah. My family's busy. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about the business of the baseball playoffs for a minute. Uh, back in July, Barry Verluga, who writes for the Washington Post, was a guest on the radio show. He had written a book, a very good book, called The Grind, sort of detailing uh, a year in the life of a variety of people involved with a professional baseball team, in this case, the Washington Nationals. And one of the things that we talked about was the NFL's inherent advantage over Major League Baseball, and for that matter, the NBA and and the NHL, when it comes to the playoffs, because it almost does not matter which two teams are playing in the Super Bowl. That's going to be a big. That's going to do a big number for the television network. Whereas, as as Barry pointed out, if you are in this case Fox and Time Warner, you are 
crossing your fingers that yeah. you're going to have not just a very compelling narrative in the playoffs, a compelling narrative, hopefully, with really big market teams. Yeah. Could you imagine what would be happening in any other sport? Could you imagine the networks being happy that the equivalent of the Green Bay Packers, you know, the smallest market with a professional sports team by a lot? I mean, for the NFL, not only is it not bad news, it's really good news that the Green Bay Packers are going to make it on. Right. Well, the, I mean, the NBA is not uh, wedded to the market size of the teams in the finals. It is the star player. I mean, the star player can be at Oklahoma City, and you've got perfectly good or Sacramento. But you have to have one or the other. You got to have that star. Yeah, I mean that's that's what they're yeah. praying for. Is Sacramento, that LeBron, yeah, or Sacramento in the finals now is not good news for them. Is Sacramento good news? I have no idea. Um, Who are they? You're at? the NBA guy. Once upon a time, Sacramento was good. Sure, right, right, right now they're they're in the quote unquote rebuilding right. phase. But right now the NBA is praying. Oh, I help Cleveland gets on yeah. right. And that's not because of their love of Cleveland. It's <laughs> or, not because although, of the mo- it's not because they feel sorry for Cleveland the way we feel sorry for Greg Haygood, our colleague who's from Cleveland, and you know we all wish that he sees one championship for his hometown in his life. Like you know, absolutely, yeah. like all right-thinking people. <laughs> <laughs> but when you look at how the baseball playoffs are shaking out, it's incredibly compelling. Now in the National League, you've got the Chicago Cubs. Who have not won the World Series in over 100 years? Any team could have a bad century. I just, <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to be playing either the Los Angeles Dodgers or the New York Mets. So you've got the third largest market in the country up against either the first or second largest market in the company. That's in the country. Well, that, the Mets draw. Yeah. I mean, it's a Yankees town, right? I think it's sort of a split town, but you, just the you fact... still got a few million. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> that's yeah, true. getting one half of the largest market in the country—that's a third. That's a, yeah. that's still a very good thing. Um, so Fox will have the American League series. We'll see how that plays out. But uh, uh, Time Warner, which owns TBS, they've got the National League series. I, I think it's looking really good. Yeah, for for Time Warner and uh, Fox has the World Series, right? And Fox has the World Series. So you've got the Cubs or the Dodgers or the Mets already in the World Series. So Fox is table stakes after that. Fox is pretty happy that the opponent, in terms of market, I mean, there are sort of disguised, some semi-disguised large markets. Uh, Texas and Houston and Toronto are all roughly equal size. They're they're sort of five to eight in terms of uh, one of know, which is a hundred percent more Canadian than the other two it's right that's right <laughs> right whereas um, as we were talking about earlier even they've been eliminated from the playoffs but the St. Louis Cardinals St. Louis is I think the 22nd largest media market in the country but national team has a national fan base yeah. so th- yeah. that it, works out well I, I think Fox is happy with the way things are going if the if they could pick anything it's to have the Cubs because then you bring in more casual fans that that want to see Watch if the Cubs, the Cubs can finally go down win. in flames again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, no, I no, nobody's rooting against the Cubs, no, are they? It's not like there's no. there's just no hostility toward the Cubs. No, there's the Cubs. no hostility. Yeah. It's not like, fact, like Cubs, all right, so the Red Sox. There was plenty of hostility, I would say, as a Yankees fan. Toward the Red Sox, even during the era where they hadn't won, there was sympathy for 
the decades and decades that they disappointed their fans. Of course, <laughs> he loves saying that. But, but, but also, and, and believe there's no sympathy for Yankees fans ever. So I recognize right. that. Right. Um, but I don't. I mean, somebody like I just hate the Cubs. I mean, well, Cardinals fans, I guess today. Yeah. But I mean, even that—that that, like the big rivalry, the Cubs and Cardinals, was one-sided, and I know it's hard to imagine. Can we get some Cardinals fans in here to speak more authoritatively on their level of no, I, hostility? I, they're not the in Cubs? today. I, <laughs> they're taking the day off. Um, no, I think I think you've touched on something which is absolutely at, really at play. Yeah, I didn't mean to. Amazingly <laughs> enough, you did. I was just um, ranting by you, accident. You've touched on something that I think is very much in play in the American League series because you've got four teams right now. Where it's hard to imagine a lot of antipathy towards them, you know, in the case of whatever that word was, <laughs> the, the Kansas City Royals, the Toronto Blue Jays. Are there people who really hate the Toronto Blue Jays, the Houston Astros, the Texas Rangers? I, you know, I don't think there's a lot of hatred towards any of those teams. No, but at least one of them. Could you imagine a Cubs versus Royals World Series where you have literally two of the most feudal teams? Over the last twenty years, I mean, one for twenty years, you've only for... got like one bad guy at this point, Chase Utley. Yeah, I mean, the... so everybody's rooting—not everybody, but a lot of people are rooting against the Dodgers. I, I bet there are more people pulling for the Mets uh, right now than there were at the beginning of the series. I'm curious to see. I, I would like to see Toronto make it from the American League because I want to see if your thesis, Bill Barker, is correct. Because you were saying earlier, well. Not only is Toronto a large city, which it is. I think it would be if it was in the U.S., it would be the fourth largest city in the United States. So it's a large city. But your thesis appears to be, well, they'll bring all of Canada with them, and I'm not sure that that's the case. Yeah, the folks in Montreal are dying for Toronto to win a World Series. Wait, you think they're going to be rooting for the Cubs? I think you. I think they're watching hockey. I think, yeah, given they're, that they're, the hockey <laughs> season has started, they're watching hockey. Right. To the degree that they're they're rooting, they are joining in to root for Toronto. They are not joining in to root for whether the Cubs can, you know, break this hundred year drought. Yeah, that's that's, that's what I'm saying. They, Toronto Toronto's presence in the series will bring in. Casual, seven ca- other casual Canadian baseball fans, uh, and, and drive out you know your casual American fans unless the, the Cubs are in there. Marketfoolery at fool dot com is our email address. And specifically, we'd love to hear from any Canadian listeners. Weigh in on Toronto and whether or not that's going to make You're gonna you watch. G- the are you going to have Jim Gillies on next but week? He's from is, is he in? Or? I think Gillies is. I thought he was going to be here later this week. Um, he's not, but I think he's here next week. So he's, he's here always to talk about like anything Canadian. Right? Yes, I mean he can. He's Canada's representative on this podcast. He's our expert. The whole like talking animal thing that, that goes on there. He can speak to that. That happens in Canada. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, according to my you know U.S. knowledge, it's it's like Narnia. Isn't it? <laughs> That's right. Or like, I mean, Canada is like the North Pole's in Canada, right? Yeah. I mean, all the animals. I think up that's there right. Talk. People travel by hawkback, that sort of thing. Jim can, uh, you know, definitely back me up on this. I'll jot all these questions down. And we'll, we'll raise these <laughs> it's topics. It's pretty much here. Narnia. That's all you have to cover. Margaret Fullery at fool.com. Drop us an email. Any of our Canadian, any of our listeners, but specifically our Canadian listeners. Bill Mann, Bill Barker. Thanks for being here, guys. 
Hopefully we haven't lost every single one of our listeners. <laughs> As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.